From Chagdagumpa Riggs and Lane, this is Listen, Contemplate, Meditate, a podcast featuring a range of teachings from the Buddhist tradition presented by Lamas of Chagdagumpa Foundation. Our website is chagdagumpa.org. So I'm very happy to welcome all of you that are here at the temple and also those of you that are attending via the internet. We're very happy that you could come and participate today as we uh, have a Mother's Day teaching this morning. This this teaching, uh, especially today, is a day that we celebrate mothers, but actually as Buddhists, we are always in um, a a practice of recognizing the kindness of our parents because without their kindness we wouldn't have our life. And our life is very, very valuable and precious, especially if you're Dharma people. And as Dharma people, you are working towards uh, the cessation of suffering for yourself and for all other beings. And so this means that your life is very, mar- very marvelous and uh, uh, extraordinary that you would have a chance to be able to practice love and compassion and to progress towards this uh, result of being freed from difficulties in life. Not only this life, but countless lives. And so the kindness that we understand receiving from our parents is a premise or a preface to the fact that we can meditate, that we can listen to teachings, that we can you know, make a prayer, even a wish, without the kindness of your folks who let you be born, who um, supported your life when you couldn't support life yourself. You know, we don't think about it, how much care it actually took until you have the little ones nearby. This is why I invited the children. You have to remember, you were these children. You were the ones that made lots of noise. You were the ones who were the apple of your mother's eye. You were the ones who enjoyed this shining love of a mother to her child. Now, oftentimes as grown-ups and, and, and as we've gone through many things in life, we have some arguments about this, like it wasn't just a holiday with our folks. But from a Buddhist point of view, we understand that life is often difficult. Occasionally, it's, a, it's, it's playful and fun mostly when you're children. And that that safety and that environment is something created by the structure of our parents and our family. Sometimes things do go wrong. We know that's true. 
But even in that, we understand how kind to care for us and share with us, to teach us, to lift us up and put us down, to feed us three times a day, you know, even if it wasn't like the best every time, it was by percentages mostly good. And crucial. Whether you like it or not, whether it was perfect or not, it does not diminish the fact that it was crucial. And that life support is what gives you the ability to be here now, to enjoy the life that you have now, the pleasures you have now, to walk this earth, to breathe the air, to hear a song, to feel a friendship. I mean, just to brush your hair. That pleasure is due to the kindness of your parents, particularly your mother. Now, I can launch into this teaching because this teaching was a teaching that my teacher gave over and over and over and over again. Rinpoche loved his mother very dearly, and he lost her very young. But not only that, it's not just this mother. Your mother's mother, your father's mother, ultimately all the mothers, ultimately even the fathers who were previously mothers in some other lifetime and probably soon to be mothers in another. Rinpoche used to tease because sometimes the guys would get sort of hurt by this teaching on how wonderful the, the quality of a mother and they'd say, well, what about fathers and what about that, you know? And Rinpoche would say, well, fathers did make a small contribution. And don't worry, previously in another life you were a mother too, he would say. So this, this appreciation of the mother is an appreciation of the quality of giving life. And yes, fathers are very crucial in this. So we appreciate all the parental beings now and uh, endlessly throughout all the cycles of rebirth. So we understand as Buddhists that we have benefited greatly and that all that we would, we would create in this life and lives in the future are really, are really based in this opportunity to have a human body. And so we have a great... Um, a debt of kindness towards our parents. 
And we, we, would sh- we would think how to treat them well, how to treat them kindly, how to repay this kindness that they gave to us for so many years that was so crucial for us. And now if we look at our folks, we see that they are vulnerable. I mean, th- we were their children and we may always feel like children around our parents and they may really promote that idea. But actually, sickness and aging and death are really um, unavoidable for them. And not only these hardships and tragedies of everyday life, whatever kind of kind of mind they've cultivated and their actions of body and speech will produce for them positive or negative or kind of um, neutral experiences on into the future. Now, if your folks have all been good every day, kind every day, generous every day, have been, you know, cultivating qualities every day, then we have nothing to worry about. Their, their life stream and their experience on into the future will be good. Because as we are is what we become. And if we're not able to be good, if we're not able to be kind, if we're not able to be generous and patient, if we're not able to be diligent and apply ourselves to our human reality in a, in a way that's really positive, then we create negative causes that produce negative results. And so our parents are just the same. Our mind is, is uh, it shows in how our reality becomes. Rinpoche used to say, like a a bird thinks when he flies that he left his shadow behind. But actually, as soon as he lands again, the shadow is there. So for us and for our parents and our friends and our children and actually every unenlightened being, every action of body, speech, and mind, positive, negative, or neutral, creates a shadow that, that follows us. And that is unavoidable. Unless you engage in some kind of spiritual tradition that can, has methods for purifying previous karmic seeds so they no longer fruit, or you're very capable in the moment of acting and reacting in a way that doesn't produce so many karmic seeds, then you can manage dealing with your ordinary experience of ordinary mind. But most of us, our parents weren't um, exposed to these kinds of methods. Not here in the West. In the West now, it's a young generation that has exposure to the Dharma and to the wisdom and the power of the Dharma. Most of our parents don't have this opportunity If they do, you should share the Dharma with them so that they could begin to prepare for death and to create causes and conditions on into the future that will benefit them. 
But many times we're not able to do that. Many times we're not able to guide our parents' actions of body, speech, and mind. So the best that we can do is pray for them, to care for them, to repay their kindness, and to cultivate spiritual power yourself to bring benefit to them. As any loving child, son or daughter, would do for their parents. So, you know, when we're kids, the world revolves around us. I saw this kind of a demonstration of the steps of a family made around a a newborn baby. Everyone, you know, coming, going, coming, going, coming, going, everything coming, going to the baby. Everything went to the baby. We have, we have been this kind of, had this kind of care and this kind of circle of activity around us like any of the children here. So when we grow up, when you add this kind of love and care to a habit that we come into this world with of being the, needing to be the center of attention, needing a lot of care, needing a lot of love, needing a lot of support so we're not insecure, our insecurity becomes very demanding. And as we grow up, that doesn't change so much. We're still very um, needy. We just need different things. We maybe don't need our mother anymore, you know, coming to our bed every day, you know, every few minutes, all day, and all night long anymore. But we did for a long time. We would scream and cry if our mother left the room. It was like we would die that she left the room. Now we don't die anymore that mom leaves the room. Actually, when we're teenage, we wish she would just go away and just not bother me so much you know I've got to like do this myself and this self thing we see this self thing get very um, dominant not that it hasn't been since our infancy and and so it's natural in our own instinctive way to think of ourselves first And as we grow in this world, it makes sense to think of ourselves first. And then after, of course, after we're okay, then maybe we can think of our little brother or our sister, or we can think of a friend, or we can think of someone else, and we can start to include more people within this range of what we have to take care of, which in the center is me. I am first. But the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas and the great masters tell us differently. They say, really, all the suffering of our experience from the moment of birth through our own death and infinite cycles 
of repetitions of lifetimes are due to not understanding who we really are. Not understanding the true nature of our being. And so we assume that I is who we are. And you can see it on the playground. You put, you know, 25 children together and you have 25 eyes out there trying to jump higher, run faster, and to be included and, and to get rid of what they don't like. We're doing this as much as when we were little. We are still doing this. And it produces suffering. When I hurt or harm another, I produce bad karma and that shadow follows me. And when the story unfolds in my life of being a victim, I don't understand why that happens to me. Why, sh why should bad things happen to good people? That's not fair. That's not nice. Who, who invented that? But actually, nobody invented this. It isn't by someone's power outside of us that bad things happen to good, thing, good people. Bad things are a shadow. A shadow that arises due to actions of pre in, our previous, in our previous behavior. Where we justified hurting and harming others. We had some good reason, I am sure. I was perfectly capable of taking care of myself and people better get out of my way. If they don't get out of my way, they better be, they better be careful because, you know, I'm more important than them. Hurting and harming others is something that we have come to believe is necessary in our life. We don't think we can really live without that. We don't think that that's possible. But actually, we have to, we have to take some teachings from the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas about this, where they tell us that every suffering comes from selfishness and every happiness and pleasure and fruitful fulfillment comes from kindness and love and compassion. That when you, you give the most important position to the others with love and compassion, like your mother, that you really recognize and give value to the importance and kindness of your mother, you create of a seed, a kind of seed that produces a marvelous result. Nobody, I, I remember when I heard these teachings thinking, why didn't anybody tell me? How come I didn't know that? If I had known that, I would have changed things from the beginning. I would have done things differently. <clears throat> but still, our habits are selfish, like, if I had known that, I would have done things differently, because, of course, I could make it all go better for myself. Still selfish. So the, 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 the healing here in repaying the kindness of your mother, first and foremost, is that she's important. more important than you. 
And then we start thinking, excuse me, did you say more important? No, sorry? Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's an idealism. But actually, without her, where would you be? Really, truly, think about it. That doesn't mean she did everything right. She did one thing right. She let you be born. Maybe two things, she didn't let you die. More than that, she cared for you. And you're here. So, really important To, to let her have this superior position means that you're putting yourself, your I, in an inferior position. And that is a healing because we are way out of balance. Our self-centeredness is King Kong. Our, li- our love and compassion for the fulfillment and well-being of even one person, even one, is very, very small and weak in comparison. So, we should give to them our kindness, our generosity. Like, oftentimes I see that people do really try to help their parents. They make sure they have enough food, they're okay, but maybe they're not really treating them equal to themselves. They're doing what's sufficient, but equal to how you'd care for yourself, or even better than how you care for yourself. I, don't th- I think that's very, very rare. But that's how we should be. We should cultivate our selflessness and the expression of our love and compassion for others, at least beginning with our mother. And if you're going to be kind to your mother, then think about what is it the kindness that you're offering. And look and see. Because as long as our self-centeredness is the biggest, then our suffering is great. The more you reduce your self-centeredness, your, you know, um, insecurity and dominant necessity of the attention and the moment for you, if you don't reduce that, then you aren't, you can't, it's very difficult to be free of suffering. The I is the suffering maker. And so every time you can step past that and give your love and attention, and especially in small ways, you don't have to do huge, grandiose you know, measures, because oftentimes those get very theatrical and we want a lot of praise and and we want a lot of return on those. 
like the guy who's very generous with the girl and he takes her out to dinner and he buys her, you know, a nice place, flowers. He's very good. You know, everything, there's, they do the, they do the, the guy parks the car and everything, you know, really top end. He wants return on that. I mean, he should at least get a kiss. Better than that would be better than that. We offer, and our grandiose offerings, we want something back very, very often. So it's little things, little ways of, of thinking about the other one first. Again and again and again and again, many times a day, little ways. And we begin to start to shift this, tip the scale from selfishness to selflessness and kindness and love, that we're, we give ourselves permission to do that. You know, it's said in Tibet, I was reading recently a book by Dilgo Chensi Rinpoche giving a commentary on the seven-point mind training, which is a very basic Buddhist training of how to behave. And it was, it was, he said in there that Paul Trimpache, uh, one of our really great forefathers, Buddhist great masters, he would teach this teaching of love and kindness and the giving of one's happiness and the taking of a lesser position for others. And it, it, it actually um, eliminated the haunted areas of Eastern Tibet. Like, there were so many ghosts and demons in that region that when they would hear the teachings of love and compassion and selflessness, that they could no longer behave aggressively. Even the ghosts and demons could no longer behave aggressively. How wonderful and kind it is for any one of us to intentionally practice selfless love and compassion for others more than ourselves. That it's more important to me that you're happy than I'm happy. That it's more important that you be fulfilled, that you attain enlightenment. In this kind of way, we begin with mom. Not just mom, but all motherly kind beings. Okay, that's mostly what I wanted to, to offer you. I also want to... to recognize that people do their best but in our world we we maybe need to make a stronger effort in these things to make an effort to value love and compassion to exemplify that in your own life in your own ways you know with the miscellaneous people of your lives of course you know the guy who puts the gum on your mirror 
a, a kind thought. Maybe you're not going to buy the gum, but a kind thought. Just this, this, like, we should make it prevalent. And that prevalence in the world starts by one. Just by you and by me. It starts by one. And when you do this, your children grow up differently. They grow up seeing selflessness and love and compassion. That's powerful. If your children grow up just seeing selfish, you know, acquisition mentality to the, to the nines and, you know, just all, all, always working and looking for more and more and more and, you know, the, the life, the values of the life are shown by you to the people that are close to you. I mean... Sometimes we talk good, love and compassion, but the actual doing of it is what your children see. Rinpoche used to say, children only listen until they're seven. After that, they just watch you. They learn by watching you. These things happen in our, in our home. They happen inside of us. And from us, they happen to help they come to our children, our neighborhoods, our world. So it's very good to demonstrate love and compassion, especially love, compassion, and respect and kindness to your own mom and dad. There's a story Rinpoche used to tell about a family. The father was very, uh, they were very poor and the grandfather lived with them, and the son was lit young. And so three generations of, of, uh, in the family, but their poverty was so acute, they didn't know what to do. Finally, one day, the old man, the grandfather, said, look, I'm too sick, I'm too old, I'm not any good anymore, I'm not useful, just take me to the forest and leave me there. It's one less mouth for you to feed, something, you know, I'll... Things of what, you know, it's just necessary. And the son would say, no, dad, I can't do that, I can't do that. Finally, the old man convinced his son. And so he and the boy made a wooden, um, kind of a wooden little pallet, like a, a, a um, I don't know, a platform, little platform, because he couldn't walk. And so they took the grandfather on the platform and they carried him to the forest. And they left him there with a prop to find the best place they could with shade and sun and like a nice flat spot. And they tried to do the best they could. And when they were done saying their goodbyes, it was a very tearful moment. And they were leaving and the, the, the son and his, his son were leaving. And, and as they were walking away, the boy, the teenager, he, he said to his dad, you know, Dad, we got to get the wood. And he, he's ignoring him because he's distraught with this moment of leaving his father there in the woods. And finally the boy, he sort of he gets his father's. He said, Dad, Dad, we can't go. We have to get the wood. He said, the wood? What do you mean the wood? He said, we have to, to take the wood and leave him on the ground. He said, what are you talking about? It's cold. It's wet. Why would we leave him on the ground? And he said, 
because I need it for you. We have to take care of our parents. Take care of them well. Demonstrate love and compassion and kindness to them. But not just like a show, but really, they've done so much for us. The best they could. Please dedicate the merit of the teaching for the benefit of all beings. This podcast is supported by the generosity and kindness of Chagdagumpa members and donors. If you're interested in becoming a member, making a donation, or if you want to learn more about Chagdagumpa, feel free to go to chagdagumpa.org.